friends, welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. I'm so glad that you're here as always, and it's going to be a wonderful day because I believe the Lord has so much to encourage our hearts with this week. We are going to be jumping into John a little bit this week, and today we're going to look at John chapter 4. And last week we were in Isaiah, we were in three chapters, 53, 54, and 55, and just had an incredible time of seeing some of the different characteristics and values of God's kingdom. And really for the next couple of weeks, I want to give you a little insight into where we're going. And that's going to be on the aspect of relationship and how God's kingdom is really a kingdom of relationship and is the foundation of love. Because as we grow in our hunger and desire after God, what happens inside of us is that our heart begins to change so that we can love those around us. And at our core being, God has designed us and created us at the deepest level for connection and relationship and to do that in the context of community. And so today we're going to look at a story that we're often familiar with is the woman at the well. And we're going to see how connection is something that is so critical and vital to this whole encounter that the woman had with Jesus. And in the, in the rest of this week, we're going to look at John uh, chapters 7 through 10, and then probably end the week with looking at uh, the Good Shepherd passage and really what it looks like for us to develop a strong, secure connection. Because the Word of God tells us that he is a good shepherd. And when we are in loving relationship with Jesus, it really helps us to, to live in relationship with other people and to create a loving connection with other people. So let's just jump right in this week. And I want to get, begin by just uh, asking you a question or just allowing you some space to think about a time in your life where you were around someone or in a group context where you just felt safe, secure, connected uh, on a relational level with people. And as you think about that, maybe hit the pause button and just take that in and notice how that made you feel. Maybe even get a piece of paper out and write down some of the emotions of how you felt. And then as you begin to just recall those emotions, I would encourage you just to write down and see if you can connect it with how it feels in your body. You've often heard me say this is that there is a great connection between our physical body, our emotions, and our spirituality of how we interact with Jesus. Because remember, Jesus dwells with us on the inside. So now as you're thinking about that, I would encourage you just to go and share that story with somebody. And I want you to notice the joy that comes to mind. Because when we share our story, it allows someone else to get to know a side of us. And then when we get to hear their stories, it allows us to see ourselves in their story. And story is a powerful way for us to share our experiences and to grow in connection with each other. One of the things I've absolutely loved, and as you go back to very, the very um, second episode in this entire podcast, season one, you hear my story about when I came to know Jesus. And that was in the context of being in a cabin with eight of my nine of my closest friends. And there's just something that happens. Think about a time, maybe if you were ever uh, had a chance to go to a camp 
or to go somewhere where you are with a group of people for an extended period of time. It could be a camping trip. It could be uh, a retreat. It could be a missions trip. I've had several in my case, and I'd love to tell you about them, but I'm not going to do that today. But when you're thinking about those times of being in connection and in community, what were the things that you loved about that experience? What were the things that you noticed? I know for me, I think about a lot of the times I got a lot closer with people because you're seeing them on a daily basis and you're interacting with them on a daily basis. And one of the things that I love is you get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, when you're constantly living in contact with people. Because so many times, especially here in the West, we live isolated lives and it takes us out of relationship because we live in often houses and we really don't even know our neighbors all that well if we're honest and real with ourselves, or, you know, we go to our kids' games, but we don't really see these people on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's one of the things I love about the New Testament uh, church in the book of Acts is that it says in Acts 2 and 4 that these people lived in communion, that they lived in community, and that they uh, spent time doing life together, eating together, breaking bread together, reading the word together, praying together. A lot of times our experience, if we're honest with other believers who can be an example for us, is maybe we're in close contact or fellowship with them once a week or twice a week at most. Think about what your life would be like if you had opportunity to be around these people on a daily basis. And that's a lot of times how our joy tank gets filled. Those are just some of the things that I wanted you to think about before we hit this week, because we're going to be drawing on a lot of these things over the next several weeks about how we grow in relationship, how the ultimate desire of our heart is to be in relationship with God himself. And as we learn to grow in our relationship with Christ, we have a greater desire to be around other people. If you go back a few weeks ago to that triangle diagram and I drew the circles in it, we noticed that in the God's kingdom, it was upside down. And as we move up uh, and mature in life, we get surrounded by more people. But in the worldly kingdom, as we go up, we get less connected with people. And it's often about ourselves. And so let's just take a jump right into John chapter four. And I want to just draw a couple things to your attention before we get into the meat of what this chapter has to show us and teach us today. Jesus was at a point in his life where he was actually heading to Galilee because he had heard about the Pharisees um, and what they were saying about his disciples because his disciples were going around baptizing and the Pharisees were becoming upset. And so Jesus was headed to Galilee and he had to actually go through Samaria. And Samaria was often um, overlooked. It was not looked upon as a favorable place for those, uh, for the Pharisees, for the Jews. And Jews often didn't interact with Samaria. And so that's the amazing thing about when he encounters this woman who is a Samaritan and from Samaria, we wouldn't often see them interact, but Jesus does. And that's a beautiful thing. And then in verse five, I want to read this for you from the Amplified. He says, so he arrived at a Samaritan town called Sikar near the tract of land of Jacob or that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was then about the sixth hour. So Jesus is tired. He sits at this well. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about this is that Jesus is about to reveal something of his identity 
where he tells this woman, the water that I give you will lead you to eternal life and you'll never thirst again. But notice that he comes to a well. And in the Old Testament, it was a a well that Jacob had built and it was a deep well and it gave um, water to many of the town people that were in that place. And so this was very significant for the Samaritans and they, they were going to the well of their forefathers, and they were actually looking for the source of water here, because that's what they've always known. And I love this, as they go into this experience, it says, then a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman asked him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan, for a drink? For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. And so Jesus is by himself with this woman. And this woman is not expecting to see anyone, let alone a Jew. And so she's a little bit stunned and a little bit shocked that he would even have the decency or the courtesy to talk to her and ask her for a drink. And I want to take a note here is that Jesus is asking her for a drink. If you think about it. Jesus is being gentle and kind, and he often invites us, and he interacts with us relationally. Jesus is needing something from her, a drink, and he asks, and he says, why, and the woman says, why do you speak to me? And she's got a past that we don't know about yet. And take notice of this in 10, it says, Jesus answered her, and if you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it is who says, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead, and he would have given you living water, eternal life. So Jesus is making it known right now that if you knew who I was, this is going to be key as we unpack this chapter. Jesus says, if you knew who I was, showing that God's desire, Jesus's desire was for this woman, to know who he was, that goes back to our greatest desire of being known by someone else in Jesus, inviting us in, saying, I want to be known to you, and I know you, and we're going to see how powerful this is in just a moment as Jesus makes it known that he knows who she is, and he knows of her past. And the woman says this in response, sir, you have nothing to draw with, no bucket or rope, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Could you imagine this woman saying you have no bucket? This is a deep well. How are you going to draw this well up? And I believe this is significant of what Jesus can do and that he is the expression of this living water that he's about to reveal And this well was deep. You needed a bucket to draw from within it. And notice Jesus' response. I believe that Jesus is saying he is a well, an endless well of life and wisdom and knowledge. And if you draw on the name of Jesus, there is no bottom. There is no limit to the amount of water because it's going to start running. It's going to flow and it's going to be unlocked inside of you. And that's the statement Jesus is getting ready to make. And she's asking, where do you get this? And Jesus is about to say, I get it from within. I get it in connection and relationship to my father. Notice this. He says, are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well, 
who used to drink from it himself and his sons and his cattle also? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again, but the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up, continually flowing, and bubbling within him to eternal life. This is an incredible statement that when I read it, it's like the kingdom of God is enlightened all around me, and we get a revelation of how to access his kingdom. And Jesus is saying that everyone who tries to drink water will be thirsty again, talking about the well, what they had always known. For so many of us, we're trying to get our source of water and to quench our thirst from places that are outside of God. Have you ever been thirsty or dehydrated? You know that it is not fun. Think about being in a dry desert place, not having access to any water. Your body starts to shut down because it needs water. And without water, we will shut down. And Jesus is saying here that outside of me, you'll always thirst again. But if you come to me, which he's inviting the Samaritan woman in, who has not known this kind of connection, relationship, and has never been given access to something like this, but she's heard of him. She's heard that there's going to be a coming Messiah, but she's doing what she's always known. She's going to the well that she's always known, but Jesus has made a new way, and he is that way, and he's, he's saying that he gives this water, and I love what the Amplified says. It says, satisfying his thirst for God, welling up, continually flowing and bubbling within him. We experience Jesus in our soul. It's like this bubbling up and this constant flow of water being released inside of us that is satisfying. And he says, it leads you into eternal life so that on a daily basis, this water can flow within you and you won't be thirsty, but you know that you can connect with his heart woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty nor have to continually come all the way up here to draw. Do you see it in the spirit? This is very significant. This woman has been offered something so precious. And she's saying, give me this water because she's tired of thirsting. And then also for convenience that I don't have to travel and go and get weary in the heat to get this water and to bring it back, but that she can constantly have access to it. This is the new covenant relationship that we get to live into, is that we are not dependent on everything else the world has to offer, but we have a source in Jesus living within us through relationship with him that just like Jesus, he had a constant source where his father was speaking into his heart, leading him, and Jesus was listening, and he daily heard from his father being fed, not being hungry, because his needs were met by his father, and he stayed in connection, and that source of connection to his father provided him everything that he needed for his daily life and to live within the plan of what his father had called him and commissioned him to do. And that same promise is true for us. 
And Jesus said, go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, you have correctly said, I do not have a husband. For you have had five husbands and the man you are now living with is not your husband. You have said this truthfully. And the woman said to him, notice the response. Put yourself in the situation of this woman, never having met this man. And yet he speaks something that is true. And I'm imagining that she probably felt some shame and guilt because from everybody else, there probably came a sense of condemnation and judgment and being harsh to her because she's had many husbands at this time. But Jesus isn't harsh. He's not condemning. He's not judging her. He's simply honoring her right where she's at. He's speaking something that is true. And notice what the woman said said, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place where one ought to worship is in Jerusalem at the temple. Jesus replied, woman, believe me, a time is coming when God's kingdom comes, when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not know what you worship. We Jews do know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and is already here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, from the heart, the inner self, and in truth. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. Such a beautiful exchange between this woman at the well and Jesus. And I love how tender Jesus is. And he's not condemning this woman, but he says a time is coming. She refers back to what she once knew about where they worship. And she doesn't fully realize that he's the Messiah yet. She just thinks he's a prophet because prophets often spoke words that only God had revealed to them. And there's no way that this man, Jesus, could have known this if he wasn't a prophet and didn't hear from God. But I love his response. He said, a time is coming where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit or from the heart or the inner self. All this season, we've talked about the importance of prioritizing our heart and keeping our hearts soft to receive from the Lord, living a life in humility, looking to model the life that Jesus had with his Father. Says the Lord is seeking these kinds of people. And then in 24, he says, God is spirit the source of life yet invisible to mankind. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is where it gets really exciting for me, is that after he speaks this, the woman says, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, the anointed. When that one comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he, the Messiah. Jesus reveals his identity to this woman, a Samaritan of all people, because she said, I know the Messiah is coming. She doesn't realize that Jesus, the truth, is standing in front of her. And all of a sudden, when he makes this statement about who he is, notice her response. Then the disciples came back, and they were wondering what was happening. And they begin to ask him, why are you talking to this woman? Because they knew this wasn't the custom. Then the woman left her water jar and went into the city and began telling the people, come see a man who told me all the things that I've done. Can this be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? 
So the people left the city and were coming to him talking about Jesus. And I love this because this is a beautiful illustration of what living from our identity is because out of intimacy with the father in relationship, Jesus stood in his identity and revealed it. You see, identity comes out of intimacy with the father and out of his identity comes his influence because something Jesus simply said is, this is who I am. This is what I have to offer and I give it to you. So here's a question I want to just pause and ask you. What was it do you think about Jesus that allowed this woman to drop her water and to run into this city and to declare that this is the Messiah after one interaction? Here's what I believe it was. It was the fact that Jesus knew her. Because many times as I've read this, and maybe as you've read it, it was the fact that he was offering something to her that had never been offered, living water, something that would benefit her. But take a look again and read through this, is that Jesus spoke into her heart of something that only his father could have revealed to him. And he didn't judge her or condemn her. But I believe it was from the fact of being relationally known by someone. And when, when Jesus revealed his identity, he didn't have to go into the city proclaiming him who he was, saying, this is the start. This is the beginning of my ministry. He wasn't drawing attention to himself. But then people began to come to him and his influence began to grow, go out into the hearts of the people and his influence began to multiply because he wasn't seeking it for his own sake, which we're going to see on Wednesday, but he was staying connected to his father and allowing himself to be led by the spirit. Then the disciples go out and they ask him, they were urging Jesus saying, rabbi, teacher, eat. But Jesus says to his disciples, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples become confused. And they were saying, well, where did he get this food? Because we were just sent out to get food. And notice what Jesus said to him, them. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to completely finish his work. And if you skip down to 39, notice it says, now many Samaritans from that city believed in him and trusted him as savior. Because of what the woman said when she testified that he told me all things that I have done. You see, this goes back to that idea is that it was the connection, the relationship that Jesus knew this woman because that's what she was testifying to, that this man knew who I was, even if it was um, uh, a checkered past about having many husbands. It wasn't the fact that she was buried in her guilt and shame, but it was the fact that this man knew that and offered this living water to her. And so she goes and shares this good news with the city. And it says many people as a result trusted him as savior because of what this one encounter relationally with Jesus birthed inside of her. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they asked him to remain with them, and he stayed there for two days, and many more believed in him with a deep abiding trust because of his word, 
his personal message to them. And they told the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but for now we have heard him for ourselves and know with confident assurance that this one is truly the savior of all the world. This is incredible. And it excites me beyond what I can even express that they invited Jesus to stay longer and he stays with them for two days, relationally being with them. And it says that many more believed because they were able to experience Jesus themselves. Just like the woman having this desire in her that she doesn't have to go back to this well that they had always gone to that would required uh, strength and a bucket to draw. But now Jesus being present with them gives us access, gives you access to draw from within deep of your spirit because he is the living water. And out of our intimacy, he begins to develop and speak to our identity, which leads us into greater influence and impact because we don't have to go out there and do it ourselves, but it's his work in us that empowers our being. And out of our place of being, we're able to do so much more. Just like the Samaritan people, is that they experience Jesus themselves. And this is God's heart for us today. I'm going to put a few more scriptures down below in this episode. Psalm 42, David talked about the deer panting for the water and how his soul thirsts and longs after the Lord. Psalm 63, 1, David talks about how his soul thirsts for the living God. We already looked at Psalm 27, 4, where it says that my heart hungers after. And the one thing that he desired was to live in the house of the Lord forever. And Ezekiel 47 is a beautiful passage from the Old Testament of this living water and this river flowing from the temple a great depiction of what happens when we enter into relationship with him is that everything from our life, our influence and impact begins to bring life. And as that river flowed from the temple in Ezekiel 30, 47, it said it produced life on the banks of it. Just like what we do is every place we'll walk into the life of God, the river of God is flowing around us, bringing life into us. That's how the kingdom of God works. We experience it and we live in it. And God bubbles up inside of us, this living water. And then we bring solutions. We bring love. We bring relationship into everything around us because relationship is what we are wired for. And it's what we were meant to live into. Isaiah 26, verse 9, he says that night and day I long for you. So we're going to spend the rest of this week just seeing numerous examples of how Jesus stayed in connection with his father and how a loving, secure relationship with his father produced so much fruit for so many generations beyond his life, his physical life that is of Jesus. We can't produce the eternal fruit and results apart from Jesus because he is the source of our life. Just as water brings life into everything um, that we are, 
that makes things grow around us is that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, he fills us with this living water. And I'm going to put one song underneath as well that I would love for you to just listen to this week by Shane and Shane called Living Water. And I pray that it would minister to your soul. And I pray that you'll join me on Wednesday as we dive into John chapter seven and eight. And it's going to be an incredible time where Jesus often, or he references being the living water again. These statements are part of who he is. And it shows us his heart and desire is to live into relationship with us. God bless and God strength today.